Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. It's peaceful out here. Yeah. Birds chirping and trucks hitting their brakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up right now, with listeners? It's me, Pendarvis Harshaw. Today, we're coming to you from Richmond, California. Hi. Come on in. It's, it's small and it's dark. Lots of love. <laughs> yes. Lots of love inside love. these walls. That's our guest, Maria Victoria Ponce, inviting me and right now, producer Marisol into her parents' home. Maria is a screenwriter and director who makes coming-of-age films. And one of her recent films was shot in this very home. When you can use your mom's house, you know, because you don't have to worry about a location fee. So yeah, I shot Ruda here at my mother's place. Much of the inspiration for her films comes from the women in her family, her sisters, mother, aunts, cousins, all of whom are photographed and displayed on these walls. Yeah, she's even casted some of her own family members to act in her films. This picture for me is special. It's seven of us, three sisters, three brothers. I'm smack in the middle. All of us are wearing what we would have considered our best clothes, but even our best clothes weren't brand new. And you look so 80s, like your brother looks like he's from the band Menudo. Yeah, he would love that. (laughs) My brother would love that, yeah. For sure 80s, that's great. These family photos are windows into Maria's childhood. She draws from her own experiences to create scenes in her films that show the imagination and the awkward emotions of being a kid. Oh my God, look at this super 90s photo of you. (laughs) That is me with one of my best friends, Tina. (laughs) We went to the local mall to get a a photo. I swear to God, I was like, is that Hilltop? Is yes, that, that is Hilltop? Yeah, we probably took photos in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. But you know what's embarrassing about this photo is that I went and I bought new outfits for it. I took the photos and then I returned them. It's <laughs> not embarrassing at all. Everyone right. did that. Maria's films add to the legacy of Richmond, California, and they do so by spotlighting the rich Latino community. I'm here to rep Richmond. Richmond is everything to me. It's where I grew up. I tried to get away from, as far away as possible as as I could get away from it. And now I spend all my time trying to get back to it. Maria Victoria Ponce is usually the one behind the scenes directing the shots. But this week, we turn the mic on her to hear how her personal experiences translate to universal stories of growing pains. We bring that combo to you right after this. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. 
Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Thank you for having us here today. Tell us about the significance of this place. Yeah, we're in my mother and father's house in a community called Atchison Village. And Atchison Village has a wonderful historical uh, significance to it. It was built during uh, World War II for uh, defense workers in the Kaiser shipyards. Given that history that this place was built for workers, a lot of people, a lot of black folks migrated from the South here to work in the shipyards and be a part of that industrial might. Um, Your family also migrated here. And I was wondering, had you lend any thought to the parallels between the two stories? Most definitely. It's a community that has welcomed so many immigrants, you know. Latinos have come to work here, but also Asians, you know. For us, it was the place where some of our early migrants from Mexico, from where we're from, El Tepo Michoacán, came. And so we came because they were already settling in this area. My mother and I both migrated in the year 1974. I was just about 10 months old, and so this is where we found home. Less than a 10-minute walk from where we're visiting Maria today is the Iron Triangle neighborhood where Maria grew up, more specifically, the Easter Hill housing projects. I spent time in central Richmond as a kid, but I didn't spend too much time in the Iron Triangle, so I had to ask what it was like for her growing up there. The Richmond that you grew up in, Iron Triangle, tell us specifically what was that like? All my childhood friends, the boys, a lot of them are now dead or in prison, unfortunately. A lot of the girls, it was, you know, eloping with your boyfriend at, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So it was tough. But aside from that, there was so much, like, beauty of being in an environment where you get to go play outside. The streets were my home. That's where I got to hang out with all my cousins and all my friends. We would hang out and do all kinds of things. Sometimes we would get in trouble, but most of the time we were just being kids. If you start looking at the 1980s, there was a huge migration of both Vietnamese and Cambodian. And that's when um, I got to hang out with a lot of my Cambodian and Vietnamese friends in Easter Hill, both in fourth and fifth grade. So it was a great place to grow up, but it also had a lot of what people would consider danger. But that's not how it was, how we looked at it, you know? It was just a place for us to be in. Discover smoking cigarettes for the first time, or checking out the boys, or learning the latest dance craze. I keep going back to coming of age stories in my work. I love that age between 10 and 13 because that is the time that I discovered that my freedom was dependent on me. It's my first kiss. It's me getting my period. It's me seeing my older sisters, you know, flirt with guys. You know, it's me understanding the dynamics of my parents, you know, and my siblings. And so I just keep coming back to these stories of of discovery and also of empowerment. 
that perfectly segues into talking about your film Ruda. It's about a little girl who idolizes Wonder Woman, dresses up as her, and seems frustrated with having to help her grandmother, who's a healer, a curandera. Mija, pásame ahí la crema. And so she disobeys and, and abandons her grandma to go play in the in the outdoors. She ends up hurting herself and limping back home and needing the help of her grandmother. Respira. Ahora descansa. Descansa. Because she's a healer, can heal the little girl, and the little girl realizes, ah, my my grandma's the Wonder Woman in my life. I'm just wondering, was there any personal experiences that kind of inspired that? Ruda, for me, comes from a place of love for my little sister and my grandmother, who I had a very tumultuous um, relationship with. She was the loco curandera. She delivered most of the people in the town that I'm from, in Michoacan. People constantly were coming through our house, coming in to see her. And as a kid, I didn't see the beauty in that. I saw it more of a, as a nuisance because all these people were always invading her space. Today, I see everything that she went through and how important she was for our community. And with that film, I wanted to kind of like put my feelings that I had about her, the old feelings of anger and frustration to rest and I wanted to say to her, hey, Mama Cuca, I get you. In the short film, the grandmother character is shown tending to her patients. There's a new mom with a recently born baby and a young girl who looks sick and feverish. She offers them herbal teas from plants made of rue, or ruda in Spanish, and medical ointments on the bodies. In the room, copal and incense burn. Seeing your film was like really validating, like it's something my mom raised me with, like seeing a curandera. And for me, it was like speaking to my inner child. And I just want to know if making that film Ruda was a way of speaking to your inner child. Most definitely. As I've gotten older, I'm beginning to understand how much the indigenous ways were a part of our life, but I never understood that until pretty recently, actually. I didn't push it away. I just didn't recognize it. I didn't recognize that, you know, when she would use copal, you know, or she would be, you know, at, in the kitchen, you know, making ruda, you know, or giving massages, and people would come out wearing bandanas with vapor rub all over them. I didn't understand necessarily what that meant. The vapor rub stood out to me because that's something that goes across cultures. That's something like my, my daughter was sick two weeks ago, and I'm applying it to her chest. Yeah, I mean, I want to tell stories about our community, but in reality, everyone else can relate to them. When I watch the growing pains and awkwardness of puberty that Maria captures in her films, it brings to mind personal experiences, like when my voice changed and it got all deep, <clears throat> excuse me, 
and I was all kinds of embarrassed when it cracked in front of other kids. Feeling hella confused when your body changes? That's captured in one of Maria's films called Death and Deathability. It centers on a girl named Ceci, who finds out that she just got her period. Because transformation is freaking scary at that age, she thinks it's a death sentence, and she prepares a bucket list of things that she wants to do before she dies. I told myself I can't die until I get a kiss. I want a real kiss. I'm going to first bite into a puro barindo, get that burst of tamarindo. When you dance to your favorite song, you close your eyes. Rhythm of the music blends with your heart. And your body drifts through fields of poppies. There are a lot of poppies in California. But it doesn't really matter. Because I'm dying today. And I have blood on my pants. Growing up, not only did you not talk about anything that had to do with sex, nothing that had to do with sexuality. My mom did not know I had gotten my period until a year, probably a year and a half later. I hid from my mom that I got my period. My oldest sister, when she first got it, she thought she was going to die. To this day, if we start talking about period or anything that has to do with sex, my mom just blushes. And it all goes back to how she was raised. I have a boy. He's known about periods as, you know, from the day he was born because I've never, ever not talked about it, you know. And so I wanted to be different. I wanted to take that traumatic experience and turn it into something that was going to be enjoyable and that was going to be relatable. In the film, along with getting her first kiss, Ceci added eating tacos and getting her father a present to her to-do list. So I'm going to miss him so much. Al pastor, grilled chicken, avocado, carnitas, carne asada, What's so fun watching that film is the main character, Ceci. She breaks the fourth wall a lot and talks directly to you. It was repulsive and so uncouth. You like that word? Uncouth? It's lacking in sophistication. What was that choice to, to write her that way, to break the fourth wall? I wanted the viewer to be her best friend in that moment. I wanted her to talk to the camera, and I wanted whoever was watching it in that moment to see her innermost thoughts. Did you see him kiss me? Actually, I kissed him, but it was pretty wondrous. Wondrous? Inspiring a feeling of wonder? Your son is the love interest in that film, and that first kiss is his first kiss? Yes. <laughs> what was it like filming that? It was crazy. <laughs> the night before we were going to shoot it, um, I woke up in the middle of the night in sweats and crying because I was about to see my kid get his first kiss for the you know, very first time and I was going to have to direct him through it. I put all of that aside, and when we shot it, it was so cool. They felt so comfortable, and we have so many great outtakes. What kind is it? Watermelon. It makes my tongue hella purple. Is my tongue pink? Your tongue is always pink. We shot it during the height of the pandemic, so it was tough finding actors. <laughs> 
I found Blanca, who plays the lead, who is so talented. I, I found her two weeks prior to the shooting date, and my son watched her audition, and he said, wow, mom, she's good. And he said, I want to audition. I was shocked because that's not my kid. But I guess I don't know my kid fully because that was my kid, you know. And so I did it just like I auditioned everyone else over Zoom. He was in one room on Zoom. I was in the other room on Zoom. I could tell he was nervous. It was, it was really cute. It was a really cool moment for me, I have to say. I'm wondering what did you want audiences to gain from the film overall? I mean, those awkward moments, they define a lot of who we become eventually. I wanted people to see this little girl and not to feel sorry for her, but to see the beauty in her world and how she thinks and how she takes this moment where she thinks she's dying, but she's just like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna go out my way. Thinking about Ruda and Death and Death Ability, both coming-of-age films, I'm wondering, were there coming-of-age films that you watched growing up or even in your adult journey of becoming a filmmaker that, that just totally shape your style? I know that John Hughes movies, there's a lot of cringiness to them now, but that's what I came up with, you know, with Sixteen Candles. I mean, I can watch that film over and over again and relate to the characters and how it feels to want to go to high school and be cool. To me, a lot of the Jane Austen films are coming of age, you know, and I love what they did with Clueless. I tend to lean more towards the comedic ones, but I'll take them all. And I grab, you know, a lot of uh, inspiration from them. But then I'm hoping that I'm putting my own flavor on it, you know, and I'm making it hella Richmond. Big love to you, Maria. Thank you for inviting us into your family's home and sharing your work with us. You're doing important work telling the stories that matter, representing your culture, and exploring universal themes in an artistic and entertaining manner. This year, Maria was awarded a fellowship through the Kenneth Raynan Foundation, which recognizes and supports Bay Area artists who are creating work that champions their communities in innovative ways. With the funding she receives, Maria is working on completing her scripts and filming a number of other films, more comedy and coming-of-age films, but also a drama and even a horror film. Kubrick didn't limit himself, why should I? Hey, that's right, go big! To see Maria's film, Ruda, check out right now his website. We'll have a link in the article as well as in the podcast description. To keep up with Maria, follow her on Instagram. Her handle is her initials, MVP in the house. All one word, so that's MVP in the house. And her website is MariaVictoriaPonce.com. Marisol Medina Cadena is the co-host of this episode and the producer of Right Nowish. Chris Hambrick is the editor. Seal Muller is our engineer. Rice Stottenborough is our engagement intern. Cesar Saldana and Ria Gerwal are the engagement leads. Ethan Tovin Lindsay, Jin Shin, and Holly Kernan are the KQED execs. I'm Pendarvis Harshaw. Go tell your story. Peace. Right Nowish is a KQED production.
Funding for Right Nowish comes from Akhenati Foundation, supporting the development of powerful social change movements to eliminate structural racism. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.